Hello again, ladies and gentlemen, and another assorted gender assignations. Welcome back to a special edition of the Board to Death Binge Cast. We are doing a ramble cast where we're going to just ramble on a topic for half hour to 45 minutes, however long. I am Jay Winger, being joined by Chris. And our topic today is the one that we discussed in our binge cast for the Netflix Castlevania series, and that's Assassin's Creed. If you haven't listened to that that uh, binge cast episode yet, go ahead and do so. Uh, we'll wait. Yeah, <laughs> you can go ahead and pause it. Go go listen to it. Get it, give us some more downloads and listens, please. Uh, you know we love we love it on our uh, on our YouTube channel now also on CKCC Radio. Uh, going very well there, but at any rate, the Assassin's Creed series. You and I are both big fans of it. I know you've been playing playing those games again recently. <laughs> And I don't know how how long have you been playing them for? I've been playing them since the first Assassin's Creed with the Altair. Same here. Um, and I'll admit that one was probably the weakest of all of them. Well, the awkward control system uh, didn't yet have a chance to sort of find its legs, and it was way too repetitive. Well, a lot of the earlier ones were, especially when it was like side shit. And then there was, like, all the main stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that amongst, like, between Altair and Ezio, I think Ezio had probably the better side quests. Mm. Well, because by that point, they were actually putting some more thought into those besides just let's just throw a bunch of these yeah. same side quests, side mission stuff into every single city that you visit. They actually made it more coherent and gave it an actual more proper reason for why you would be doing it. But I, I like in the... Uh, I can't remember if this was the in-game explanation or not, or if this was just something the fans said, was that the reason why you couldn't swim in the original Assassin's Creed game is because it was a glitch with the Animus. I, th- I've, I have heard that theory. I don't know whether Ubisoft ever confirmed that's that was the case, but we'll go with we'll that. We'll go with that one, <laughs> it yeah. Makes, it makes way more sense. Um, for those of you who aren't familiar with the Assassin's Creed series... In short, you're basically fighting a secret war that's been going on since before recorded history yeah. uh, between two different factions that are essentially referred to as the Assassins and the Templars. And there's a whole lot more going on besides that with like the secret history of the world that goes beyond just the Assassins and the Templars fighting, fighting since eternity uh, with the first civilization. And everything that's going on there. Yeah, uh, do we want to discuss the secret video that you unlock in uh, Assassin's Creed Two? Yeah, it was Assassin's Creed Two when there in Assassin's Creed Two you could find these hidden uh, like glyphs on uh, landmarks, and if you interact with them in a specific way, and then finished uh, and figured out the puzzle that went with it, if, uh, you literally crawl into them. If you pay enough attention to Ezio when you go to interact with them, like the ones that, let's say you, it's the ones that you have to like climb up yeah. to get to, uh, and you have the eagle vision activated, when you climb up to them, you actually climb inside of the glyphs. Yeah, and then there's puzzles and stuff, and you yeah. learn a whole lot more secret history stuff about what's going on with the Assassins and Templars, but when you've completed all of these hidden glyph puzzles in Assassin's Creed 2... You unlock this video, which essentially is supposed to show Adam and Eve yeah. uh, stealing a piece of Eden, a piece of this first civilization technology, and 
it's one of those things that you're just like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> well, that's how they reacted in the game. Yeah, in the game and players as well. There were other, uh, wait, what? <laughs> moments in Assassin's Creed 2, like uh, when Ezio meets Minerva. Yeah. And, she, and Minerva addresses Desmond, the character that's that's experiencing all this from the modern day. <laughs> and, yeah, it's... Uh... And Ezio, and, uh, Ezio, Desmond has the same response as the players, just... What the fuck? <laughs> no, I, no, I like how even uh, Ezio was just like who is Desmond. Des- who, who, is- who is Desmond? <laughs> yeah, basically. Um, there's a whole lot of that stuff go- that goes on, and the games have explored a bunch of different time periods uh, from ancient Greece, ancient uh, Egypt, uh, ancient Egypt. Well, less ancient. That's more. Um, in the time of uh, Julius Caesar, Egypt. Yeah, because that was that was when uh, the Ptolemaic dy- dynasty, uh, Ptolemy, and yeah, and all that. Um, but uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, most certainly ancient Greece during the Peloponnesian War. But that's always that's always one of the things about the Assassin's Creed series. It's always during a time of of conflict or war going on. You had the Crusades. You had the the Renaissance with all the wars going on between the various Italian city states. You had uh, the the American Revolution, the French and Indian War, the Golden Age of Piracy, the French Revolution, the Industrial Revolution. <laughs> it's just yeah, they they love they've plundered a whole lot of there, uh, a lot of. There was also my my personal favorite. Uh, I guess I could call it a hidden mission. In Syndicate, where you come across the portal and you go to World, World War One, one yeah. yeah, World War One, and you meet one of uh, Evie's descendants. I believe. It, it's it's uh, <laughs> or that you're supposed to be playing as her, I think, in the no, midst of all that. No, because by then she would have been too old. Because if you, if you one go, of, if, no, I didn't say as Evie as one of her descendants. Oh yeah, um, no, I, I I don't know if it's hers or if it's her brother's. Either way, a descendant yeah. of of the twins, and they meet Winston Churchill. <laughs> oh yeah, that was cool. Um, and there's all the other stuff that's going on. They've had like a meta plot going on through it all with uh, Juno, and I haven't seen too much development of that in the recent games. And I'm wondering whether they actually supposedly wrapped that stuff up in one of the comic books that went along with it. Because Assassin's Creed, by the way, now also has. A bunch of like comic books that follow other assassins in other time periods. Comic books and three movies now. Three, you know, whether they're animation or live action, because there is the live action one with uh, Fastbender. There were two. Yeah. What was the 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 the, the prequel to Assassin's Creed Two, where it was about his dad? I don't know that I ever saw that one. Uh, Legacy. I'll have to look that up later. Um, but and the thing is with the Assassin's Creeds. All these Assassin's Creed properties, the movies, animations, video games, comic books, novelizations, all of it is canon. It is all considered fair game. Because uh, Otzo Berg, the Templar agent that hunts down, hunts down a lot of, uh, the, that hunts down the assassins in the present day. Yeah. He first showed up in one of the comic books. Really? Yeah. Huh. Um, know, uh, uh, some of some of the other characters that that have been meant that mentioned that are mentioned in passing pop up in some of, in some of these other these other things. So that's how I know that it's all considered canon. Canon. Um, Otto Berg has a whole lot has a whole like comic series of his own in the Assassin's Creed. 
stuff. I'm not gonna lie, I actually haven't read any of them because yeah, it's, neither have I. But I've I've just looked some of this stuff up. I was like, who the hell is Otso Berg? <laughs> well, that's and that's just his last name. His like, got, I don't remember what his first name is, but it's just they always call him Otso Berg as, instead of just Berg. <laughs> um, but you and I have talked about like some of the things that we would like to see Assassin's Creed. Yeah, we've talked. We talked about uh, what did you say it was nineteenth century Japan? Yeah, nineteenth century Japan, uh, Meiji era. You know, during the Meiji re- Restoration. For you anime fans, think the time period of Veroni Kenshin. For you non-anime fans, Last Samurai with uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah, uh, it, it's a time period where Japan has been more or less forcibly opened up to the outside world because they've been very isolationist. Yeah, up to that point, uh, they're. They're starting to modernize. It's affecting their society in many ways, moving away from tradition. Firearms are being introduced into Japan as well. And the samurai class is seeing them losing a lot of their their prestige and place in society because when you can just equip the the peasants with rifles, what do you need a a guy on horseback with a sword for? Um, And... Just send in one wave after another, wait for them to run out of ammo. Yep. Um, I I wrote a blog post, and I'll include a link in the description to it, uh, that I wrote a while ago uh, called Gamer Dribble about, uh, about Assassin's Creed. And I talked about about this and some of the... Uh, about that time period and how... why that's a good time period for the conflict going on there, the tradition versus uh, modernization thing and all that stuff. Plus, when you, when you get down to it, we would you would essentially be playing a ninja. <laughs> and who doesn't love playing as a fucking ninja? I can't think of anybody who wouldn't want to play as one. Exactly. There's, it's, it's a huge genre as it, as it is uh, with when it comes to ninjas. But you could easily just be somebody that could... An assassin that could also put on samurai armor and swing around a samurai sword as well. You know, Honestly, I, I don't have a problem with that because I remember in uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue... The, one of the hidden armor sets that you can get in the game was Viking armor. And, of course, we know that there's the upcoming uh, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, which I am very much looking forward to, because, goddamn, Vikings are awesome. <laughs> I like, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, back to the Japan one, um, like, what would you want to see in terms of, like, weaponry for that? Like besides this, besides samurai stick- sword um, and bows and arrows, you you know he'd have ninja stars would be a great stealth kill, yeah, distance weapon. Would you uh, would you th- still want to have the hidden blade? Well, it's not an Assassin's Creed game if you don't have the hidden blade. Well, uh, yes, I know Odyssey. You know they they didn't the the hidden blade had not yet become really become a thing yet. Granted, you do in the first in uh, Legends of the First Blade or uh, where where you meet Darius, who basically invented it. <laughs> Um, so it, it gets a pass there from me, but I could easily see well, because it's post Hidden Blade becoming the signature assassin's weapon. Yes, an, a Japanese assassin would need to have the Hidden Blade. They, they just they just they just have to. It's you know if you're going to be ninja ing around all over the place and stealth killing guards, you're going to have a Hidden Blade if you're if you're an if you're an assassin. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other stuff that would be kind of cool in there. Like, I know there was the, uh, what was it, the Japanese longsword where 
It looks like a katana, but a nodachi. Much, a nodachi. Thank you. And it was. Uh, it's much longer. It's, Think it's, like Sephiroth's sword if you've played Final Fantasy VII or Kingdom Hearts. That yeah. big ass katana that he's got. Not technically a katana. It's called a nodachi, but yes. Um, but or uh, the wakizashi, you know, short sword thing. Yeah. Um, and that could be Very, for like naganatas and other pole arms, maybe. That could be for when you want to like attack someone who's not close enough to you, um, and then for when you know up close and personal, short sword. Yeah. Short sword, uh, or you know, your kunai daggers, whatever stuff like that. Um, some um, one thing I would probably like to see brought back. Um, I think this was using one of the games. I don't remember uh, a bull gun. Yeah, um, it was in Black Flag. I'm pretty sure he had a he had a yeah, blow gun in a in a, blow, a blowpipe in uh, in Black Flag. Uh, Rogue, they didn't have it because he had that little air rifle thing. That was a cool gun. That was a cool gun, but that, I, I but he like got, but he had that because he was because he was working with the Templars. So, well, he, he well, take, I think he I think he took it before that. He might have, but he got all of his all of his really cool kit from from once he signed up with the Templars. Yeah, um, and I I don't know what sort of set piece action scenes you would have in Meiji era Japan um there are there were some conflicts that sprung up during that time period I don't unfortunately don't not too well versed on a whole lot of them kill, the, you, kill the white people <laughs> not necessarily that but it's like the Shinsengumi and, and stuff like that basically yeah. the people who are like here are new weapons for you and then there are the people who are saying we'll buy these weapons off of you yeah basically um, um but I'm talking set pieces like the, some of the battle sequences or it's like you have to run through the, like a crumbling like when uh, Matarajoni gets attacked in Brotherhood yeah that set pieces like that where you're where you're running through like a big action sequence um, or, well, the, or the earthquake yeah I was about from, to bring that from, up from, from Rogue because um, I'm just thinking of that it's like and there weren't necessarily a whole lot of that sort of thing in uh, some of the like uh, origins or Odyssey, but they they still had some pretty cool things that, like Odyssey, like Origins had the dream sequence where you fight the giant the, the giant snake. That was weird because it made sense because to me because I've read up on Egyptian mythology that was Apep who is like uh, who is this giant serpent that every night when Ra travels through the underworld when he leaves the sky because he's the sun and travels through the underworld Apep is usually trying to attack him and the other and some several of the other gods have to defend him during that time period so as soon as I saw that giant snake I was like I know what's going on here this is awesome um, and naturally there was also uh, Odyssey and Origins also gave us the DLCs where you basically meet some of the ancient gods <laughs> yeah uh, did you get did you do the uh, the Atlantis part? Yet? I have not finished all of it, all of okay. uh, Atlantis, but I have. I am in chapter two right now, so uh, in the realm of Hades. Okay, and I know uh, the the third part goes to Atlantis, and Poseidon is in that one. Yeah, he is. Um, but and I'm sure when Valhalla comes out, we're going to meet the meet the Norse gods, Odin and Loki, if, and, if, and if Thor. They... And, and if they don't, that's a huge opportunity missed. <laughs> I mean, if it's not in the main game, then the DLC. The DLC, yeah. Um, um, I don't know specifically how you would handle that sort of thing in a Japanese era game. You know, there's plenty of Japanese like Shinto gods and stuff like that, Amaterasu and uh, and characters like that, but. Um, 
how you would necessarily tie that into the tie that into the game, I'm not sure. That said, there are the three. I pulled it up here on my notes uh, from my uh, blog post. The three sacred treasures of Japan, who which belong to the which are in the care of the imperial family, uh, the sword Kusanagi, the mirror Yata no Kagami, and the jewel Yasakani no Magatama. I don't know specifically what all of those are. It's Kusanagi, I think I believe is the is the grass cutting sword. There's there's a there's legends and stories about that. There, there's a story uh, for that in the uh, Usagi Ojimbo comics where um, they where they go looking for a sword called Grass Cutter. There you go. So, um, um, so there's plenty. Those three things could easily be first civilization artifacts. I mean, they. I mean, if they the really... mirror, you know, could be something similar to the uh, to the observatory from uh, Black Flag. Oh yeah, definitely. Or and the jewel um, could just be another like piece of Eden, like the apple or something. Well, what else? And the sword could just be could be a much cooler version of the sword, like that you unlock in Unity. The sword that it's just like the sword. You're like, why did you wait until the end of the game to give me this cool sword when I don't need it anymore? (laughs) I hate it when games do that. Yeah. Um, But uh, but yeah, I, there's a lot of Japanese like you know mythology and stuff mm-hmm. that they could include into it. We're obviously not too well versed on it ourselves, so we can't necessarily speak on a lot of it. But well, there's plenty there. We don't need to just harp on all of Western civilization. There is so much that's untouched in China and Japan and other parts of the world. Um, like I know that in inter- like I know that you know there's the whole like Japanese demons and stuff like that. In yeah. fact, if I remember correctly, I think it was in one of the uh, the animated Hellboy films. Uh, one of the I think there's one part. Uh, oh, Sword of Storms. That's what it is. Okay. That one takes place in Japan, and uh, one of the uh, I wouldn't call it a creature because there's like several of them. They're all basically these heads. And if I remember correctly, I think they either floated around or they bounced around on the ground. But that's based off of a specific Japanese mythology. Yep. Maybe something similar to that in it. So, yeah, Jap- Japan definitely has a lot of its own, you know, mythos and stuff uh, included within mm-hmm. like any other culture does. Yeah. So they could just throw those, you know, any of that in stuff in. I know Ubisoft; they do their research first. Yeah, the the the, the teams that work on the Assassin's Creed games they do the, they do a lot of the research sure they may make some adjustments here and there for the purposes of gameplay uh, or streamlining stuff so they're not having to info dump a whole bunch of stuff on on you or at least if they have to info dump they hide it in just stuff that's in the, that's in the menus that you don't even have to pay attention to if you don't want to yeah um, I did like those things especially because uh, especially in Assassin's Creed 3 because all this commentary on the American Revolution is being made by a British by a British guy who's just very very annoyed by all of it <laughs> yeah he's like I don't want to do this <laughs> well it's not so much that he doesn't want to do this so much as that he's like you, you know he's giving a, his own perspective on the American Revolution from the other side as it were um, but at any rate yeah Assassin's Creed in Japan please please Ubisoft Make it. <laughs> you know, you could do another series of Chronicles games if you if you must, but I would love to have a have it be a proper Assassin's Creed game where you're wandering around Tokyo. Maybe you travel to Kyoto at one point as well, tr- roaming through the Japanese countryside. 
please give us this stuff. It's it, it would be awesome. Um, and then and now there we're on to our next idea that we, you and I talked about. We've talked about it again. This is something that I touched on in my blog post. Uh, that, uh, but we we discussed it more at length uh, in uh, at a later date, and that and the time period is Cold War Berlin. So the idea that we had was um, basically kind of like what Assassin's Creed Three uh, was, where it starts off with uh, the main character's dad. Like in this case, we said that he should be probably either a British soldier or an American soldier fighting during uh, World War Two, um, and uh, he. Essentially, he's, maybe he's part of the Special Operations Executive, executive the SOE, Ministry for Ungentlemanly Warfare stuff. Yeah, if he's British, he would be S. He would yeah. be SOE. Um, um, if he were uh, American, I, I don't know. Be some. Maybe he'd be some. Uh, I forget what the American version of the SOE was, because there was one where they dropped them in to do the spy stuff and sabotage behind enemy lines stuff. But at any rate. Let's let's say that they're SOE from Britain, yeah. from Britain. It makes more sense. Um, and um, plus, you get to tap into the SOE stuff, and that's just oh my god! I would love. I want to. I need to read more do, about them. Well, no. Do you remember who I said that? Uh, who the character needs to meet while he's Ian in, Fleming? Yeah, Ian Fleming. Uh, I was like, well, you know what? We already meet all these other like historical figures and whatever from all the other games. Throw Ian Fleming in. Yeah, and um, you know, like maybe as you're talking to him, like there's like you can hear like a faint musical cue of the James Bond theme, <laughs> or something like it. Maybe yeah. not the maybe not the straight stereotypical James spy Bond. music. So, yeah, <laughs> um, and um, not not a full on da na da na because then you someone's going to get sued. <laughs> yeah, somebody will get sued. He do that, but um, um, yeah, the, touch on the spy world because if you're setting in Cold War in, during the Cold War in Berlin. It's all going to be about the spy game. So uh, the idea was that um, story-wise, this character was going to, uh, if again, if it's a Europe, if it's an English or a British soldier, you know, he could probably be like, after the war, you know, he uh, stay either moves to or stays in Germany. Like it could be like he met a German woman. He, they had yeah, a the, son the, together. The, the spy stays stays in stays in Germany or comes back to Germany. Yeah, uh, has a kid. Has a kid, um, and uh, kind of like uh, uh, the speed thing, where you know, like it shows the, the son ti- a time lapse, a, a time lapse where it shows the son essentially growing up. But as he's growing up with his dad, you know, he they're, show, like, they're walking along a street in Berlin, and you know, and and in the background, the Berlin Wall is being constructed, and, and you're seeing the other buildings going through whatever architectural changes might be going on during this time period, the reconstruction after the war, the the wall being erected, and all of that. Um, and um, you know, when he finally gets older, you know, like let's say eighteen years old. Mid, uh, I'd, I'd go with early twenties. Yeah, probably is probably uh, late teens, early twenties. He hits he hits his late teens. That's where he gets gets starts getting into the spy world. But then we have like another little time skip. So then he's in his then he's well, in for, his early well, to mid twenties. Well, first he has to go through the whole like no, I don't want to get involved with this kind of thing. Like mm. yeah, it's my Maybe, country, but I don't want to get involved with it. It's, it's not my place. Uh, this is a political thing. But then. 
he starts seeing things, you know, like he starts seeing people... Starts seeing things or experiencing some of the some of the inequality or whatever. Um, gets involved. Somehow he gets involved. He gets involved somehow. You know, like you could be seeing people, you know, people being abused in some fashion by Russian soldiers or people are the starving spe- yes, to death. the Spetsnaz or um, something or the... No, not Spetsnaz. If, if if he gets up, if he ends up on the East German side, he sees the Stasi, yeah, doing doing their things. And the Stasi were real, real nasty. <laughs> um, and because um, I think somebody made some comment about how like the KGB just broke your body, but the Stasi would break your soul, kind of kind of thing. So, so one there you moment. go. You have your you have your uh, you have your perfect example of uh, the nasty side of things. Um, and. Uh, you know, I, and it could be something like he gets, he either gets tired of it, uh, maybe something happens with his dad, uh, like his dad probably ends up running into, again, depending on which side of the wall he's on, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like he could be coming home late, let's say there's a curfew, he misses the curfew, he ends up getting jumped by some by you know the, some, of the but some of the some of the Russians, or or the Russians, yeah. Um, and um, uh, because he's granted, yeah, he could be one of those tough old guys that just like, come on, bring it. You know, body can only take but so much abuse before yeah, it gives in. So he might be he might be a tough old veteran of the war, but you're when you're outnumbered, and, it's a different and story. you're and you're getting old, getting on in the years, and maybe you have some injury from the war or, or whatever. You're at a disadvantage. You are going to go down eventually. Um. So something happens with the dad. Uh. Like he doesn't necessarily have to die. He could be in the hospital. He could just be bedridden. You know. Uh. It could be any one of those things. He. D- it doesn't have to be like somebody dying. So the son basically, you know, says, you know. I need to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what. That's when he gets involved. <laughs> yeah, and that's when he decides to get involved. He doesn't know about the creed. He doesn't know about the assassins yet. Uh, but he's he sees an injustice and he is trying to correct it. <laughs> yeah. So he basically tries to do something like um, go after certain Russian soldiers or whatever. Or, like or he's the, like, or some Stasi off Stasi officer. You know, he tries to do that. Um, and uh, one of the uh, as he's trying to do this, he bumps into a member of the Creed. Uh, the the assassin ends up helping him out because he's he he kind of sees, you know, it's like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to get back at them because of what they did with my dad. And it's he's like, like okay, right, well, come with me. Come with me. There are better ways to 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 win, to fight this fight yeah. or some, or whatever. Yeah, he essentially takes him under his wing. Teaches him, you know, their ways, the better ways to, you know, like, assassinate someone, especially in that time. Because I think we just, we said, you know, like, kind of like what they were doing with Assassin's Creed 2, where Habit to War, it was just like, you know, like the 70s, and then ended in the 80s. Uh, when, and he basically, like, the the game should end with him watching from a distance, watching, watching the, the Berlin, Berlin Wall, Wall come down. Come, come down, yeah. Um, He's, he wouldn't be, like, a very old man by that point, but he would be he'd older. Be, he'd be older, like, in his 40s or 50s by that point. 40s, probably. Yeah. Uh, and, and just, and just with a smile of satisfaction on his face, like, the walls finally come down or whatever. And, ha- and have it to where, you have it show him still wearing, like... Whatever his assassin uniform would be, but have it show it to where, like over like that period of time as he's watching, 
the uh, Berlin Wall being taken down, you know, like it starts getting kind of like raggedy, mm -hmm. you know, might be a little ripped here and there, some holes in it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then turns around, gray hairs, gray beard, but he's got this big smile on his face because he's new job well done yeah probably more like salt and peppery but yeah he's got like his uh, like his, his assassin's hood up or whatever but was, you can see like it's got patches in places it's getting threadbare and he I, turns around and he's got the salt and pepper look because I was thinking that for the look um, I was thinking like maybe like a hoodie yeah um, because of the time period it's not going to be like real fancy stuff like Ezio was wearing or uh, or the or people like uh Bayek or Cassandra slash Alexios in Odyssey with all the various di various different looks to it, it's going to be more... Or um, Kenways. Or, or the Kenways, yeah. Um, but I was thinking, like, something similar to... Um, can't think of the guy's name from Rogue. Shay. Shay, thank you. Shay Cormac. Because um, his looked like it was two separate things. Like, there was, like, the shirt underneath and had the hood... And then there was like an overcoat. Yeah. Over. I was thinking something similar to that, but if if yeah, Shay's some sort of great coat or something that he wears like over his regular regular attire, uh, maybe that's something that he can change out if he needs to sneak behind the enemy, sneak into a, like a Stasi. Yeah, I was thinking. Then he puts on like a uniform coat or something. Yeah, like he, you know, like he he gets taught, you know, like the the art of the master of disguise. Yeah. Um, you would have to emphasize that because if you're if the emphasis in a Cold War Assassin's Creed game would be on the spy game and stuff the spy gadgetry and stuff that, that's going on um, so one of the things that we did we were talking about was what weapons should be in this game and since we're talking about stealth you can't really have guns if there's a gun then I can understand silencer because if we're talking spy stuff you yeah, when it comes the guns, there's or you could easily come up with some sort of ex some sort of ex hand wave some excuse that guns are strictly controlled in Cold War Berlin. Neither the, the authorities on both sides crack down heavily on it. They police it heavily, so it's very very difficult to get your hands on. But have it to, but have it to where there's maybe like places where you know where weapons are hidden throughout the city. You maybe, know, like little stashes. Maybe, and they're zip guns, you know, like the one shots. Yeah. So it's like you only get the one shot, and then and then you have and then you discard it. I want to so see. So you're not just bang 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 bang, <laughs> or thwip 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 since yeah. the silencers, but you know, like a zip gun, so you can just real come up behind a guy and just you know shoot him with the little derringer. Man with then, the golden gun. Kind of, and then you just discard discard the zip gun because it's only designed for one use. Um. And like blow darts would probably also be a thing. All sorts of all sorts of spy stuff. If you here's the thing for you in real life. If you ever get a chance, it's I I think it's open to the public. I, although you probably have to jump, go through some hoops to get access to it. But I have uh, had a chance to see the museum that the CIA has for its spy gadgetry in their headquarters. That's got to be cool. Oh yeah. I, sp I spent a good half hour just wa walking through there, uh, well, actually closer to an hour, just looking at some of the stuff. They even had a display of a guy wearing like a James Bond style tux, uh, a mannequin of, 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 of wearing the tux, and a female mannequin wearing like a typical sort of female spy slinky dress with the mink stole and everything. And it, the mannequin was even holding like a martini glass. Of course. But 
it was, but there were like little labels pointing out all the spy gadgets that were in the stuff, like the like the the olive in the cock in the martini had like a radio transmitter built into it, huh. and all this all sorts of stuff. I'm just looking, and at all it. this was legit. Yes, <laughs> I mean this is stuff they're probably not using anymore. They've got way better technology now. But it's just sort of like, this is what they were able to do back then. He's got a wire. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm just like... Because we talked about that briefly when we were starting to geek out over the con- the prospect of a Cold War assassin story. Of just have the assa- of have him being like keen on all this sort of all the spy stuff like he reads spy like the spy the spy novels, novels goes and sees the spy movies and yeah, stuff like, like I want it to be like uh, have there be like a movie theater somewhere like people are still should still I think are still we're still allowed to go see movies at that point at least in West Berlin they were um, West East Berlin probably not um, <laughs> I want one of the the marquee just to, so that way you can tell what year it is. I want one of the Bond film titles up there. We'd have it's one of those things you'd have to really have to be careful about when when the game is set specifically because I don't remember. The fans what, will go nuts. Fans will go nuts. It's like you get it wrong, they are they are going to let you know about it. Grant, I know that I know that you know they could, if they get it wrong and after the game is released, they could easily just go and patch it and then fix it. Yeah, but um, at the same time. Get it right, um, <laughs> because you guys do the research. Just get it right. Um, um, have it to where, because um, I know that there are collectibles, like just random. There's always collectibles. There's just random crap that you collect in the games, like uh, maybe like movie posters for this movie stuff. posters, uh, novels. Have it to where he runs into Ian Fleming at one point in time. And he's like, "Oh, what are you working on?" He's like, "Oh, I'm working on a new Bond book or a new novel, a new spy book." You uh-huh. know, and again, depending on what year it takes place in is probably the one where you can just be like okay what bomb book was he working on that like, oh <laughs> yeah. that one yeah um but um but yeah like i said you know like have like spy stuff that he collects um like stuff that is literally just collectibles and he's got like all the knickknacks in his hat in his house or whatever yeah. and with uh because it's an assassin's creed game and we're talking about setting it more in one city as opposed to across an entire country like with Origins or Odyssey um, or even our Meiji era Japan one where yeah. uh, I don't know that how much like old like old old architecture survived in Berlin because of the war it's not like in France where they still had a lot of old Notre stuff. Dame being the one thing Notre that... Dame uh, or in uh, London where there was still old architecture there to serve as landmarks. Yeah. And especially in the Ezio trilogy. Big Ben. All, all over, you know, with all the stuff that's all over um, Italy, all the various landmarks That's there. still there. That's still there. Like I said, I don't know how much classic architecture necessarily survived in Berlin because of the war. So... Because it got bombed pretty heavily <laughs> towards the end. Um, well, like, histor- sure. his- well, historically, I know that the area where Hitler's bunker was... The Wolves Den... Yeah, um, so where it is, or the location, uh, what it is right now is, is a parking lot, mm-hmm. but the bunker is still underneath that. <laughs> so the bunker still exists, you just can't access it unless you dig for it. And th- and if you were, then people would be like, what? What, why, are why, what are you? Why are you digging up this parking lot? <laughs> what are you doing? Um, so yeah, stuff like that is... Stuff only, like, only with a German accent, anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> 
I'm half German. I'm not offended. Yeah, uh, I know. I know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but stuff like that, uh, you could show. You can show a little, like, stuff like yeah. that. You know, it's like, oh, this is where Hitler's bunker used to be. What is it now? We're turning it into a parking lot. Stuff like that. I think in the games, Hitler might have had one of the pieces of Eden. I think so. I remember in uh, Assassin's Creed 2, when you were going through the the the, uh, the things to, un- uh, to unlock those little videos, uh, one of the things that it showed was that Nikola Tesla had one. Yeah, and he caught, and supposedly, like he caused the tung- the Tunguska event. With I think that's what they hinted at. I don't really remember, um, but uh, but yeah, uh, we we agreed on instead of doing the another piece of Eden, instead we would go back to the Sage. Right, that's right. Um, the Sage is a character that got introduced in Black Flag and kept popping up through through that trilogy of games. Yeah. Black Flag and uh, Unity and Rogue. I, I don't know about Rogue necessarily. No, but he wasn't he wasn't Unity and uh, a sage popped up in the World War One missions in uh, Syndicate. Yeah. Uh, and then we haven't really heard too much about what what the sage has been up to since then. Because um, what did they say that the sage when he dies he just it's, uh, well, it's no, it's not so much that he reincarnates. He is constantly resurfacing in people because his DNA sort of comes out in people. But there are there have been cases where there have been multiple sages at a time. Uh, they don't have knowledge of each other. It's not like a hive mind thing, but it's like the the intellect of the sage comes through in in that person. Um, so it could go going back to a sage would be an interesting would be an interesting little twist. You know, and it could be, uh, oh, uh, I, I, one other thing that I had brought up when we were discussing this was um, have a younger version of the Doctor from the first Assassin's Creed game. Vidic. Yes. Warren Vidic, have have him involved somewhere. Like, yeah. like have it to where, like, he's not in, like, the power, posi- like, the position of power that he was in in the first two games, mm-hmm. or the first three games. Well, because he hasn't, because he's still going to be either a boy or still quite young. He hasn't yet hit the point where he has yeah, like have, have, have it to where have it to where like he could be like um, maybe early to mid twenties, and he's um, he's more so an assistant, and he's helping the sage look for the uh, look for a. Um, uh, piece of Eden, either an apple of Eden, or they can make some other BS up. Um, I just looked it up. Yeah, uh, Hitler did have one of the pieces of Eden, uh, and unfortunately, I'm, with, I'm not delving too deep into. I'm just literally looking it up right here. But he did have one, but I, I don't doesn't say necessarily what happened to that piece of Eden after uh, after the war. It, you know, we'll just gloss over that because, like you said, rather than focusing on a piece of Eden, go go with the sage as the one orchestrating things. Mm-hmm. Um, now, for whatever it, purpose he has. <laughs> uh, now, we also discussed the weapons that we would like to see. Hidden Blade I, is an obvious Hidden thing. Blade, yeah. We because did, it's we, an Assassin's game, you gotta have a Hidden Blade. Uh, we said the... Uh, well, here's the thing, though. Um... In the Assassin's Creed movie, the one with uh, Michael Fassbender, yeah. uh, the beginning of the movie, it showed uh, when it showed him as a kid, when his dad, who is a member of the Creed, 
uh, had to kill his mom because the Templars were coming for them. Yep. Um, and for whatever reason, she couldn't escape with them. And so that's why he killed her. Well, whatever. He, anyway. Well, he, he got captured himself. Yeah. So, um, if you look, and I actually started playing the movie just so I can get to this scene. If you look at the way the blade is designed, yeah. I'm actually showing him from the yeah. movie. It's serrated right here, like where it's like closest to the wrist. Yeah. It's serrated. So, when they were designing... Because this part takes place in the 80s. Uh, when they were designing his hidden blade, they were like, how would the hidden blade have looked in the and 80s? Mo- yeah, back then. And know, so they they decided to add the serrated part like to it. Like, they literally took, like, a K-bar and, like, modified it to serve as, like, a hidden blade sort of thing. That's how... That's sort of the vibe I got from looking at it just, just there. I, my dad has a K-bar. A K-bar doesn't have a serrated part. Okay. Maybe I'm thinking of some other, some other kind of military... The Rambo style. knife. Yeah. Well... Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Um, but he, but this is like the ones that not, not the serrated ones where they're like really close and really small, but the ones that look like like water not, like, like notched almost. Yeah. So that's how they, that's how they looked. You get a better view yeah. of it later on in the mm-hmm. film. But something like that, yeah. Um, have that uh, something. Make the hidden blade for our German assassin look unique in some way. Um. And I would definitely say it still would have to be an under the wrist blade, hidden blade. I just had an idea. Rather than above the wrist, like Darius or the um, Viking assassin in uh, Valhalla. I I, I have an idea. Um, So, the thing that you and I were discussing about was to uh, have it to where uh, he kind of like researches the various weapons the assassins have used over the years. Because I said I want to see the rope dart get brought back. Right. Um,. So what I want to see get brought back uh, is the weapon from Unity, and that's the crossbow. Oh, the, the 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 like the blade launcher. Yes, um, to where like so what I want to kind of want to see is well first off uh, if you remember in Assassin's Creed three uh, whenever you're doing like the honey stuff and you go and over you yeah see... and his hidden blade actually pops out a little bit still attached to his wrist but so he can grip it like for, a like... knife and you know that. It's what he was using to skin, you know, animals, skin animals when he was stuff, hunting. Yeah. Um, do something similar to that to where, like, if he needs to attack someone from, like, around a corner, like, he's like this, and he's just, pow! Yep. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, whole, the old, uh, like, when, when you're, like, leaning against the corner and just do the little <laughs> the little whistle. To oh, yeah, that's sum- something else that they need to bring back. The whistling. I miss them doing that. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, I, I think gonna... it's still in the games, but it's not quite the, the, quite the way it is. Was not, emphasized in 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 like two and three and stuff like that. Where uh, you lean up and it's like, and then you, they they get close. You shank them and then pull them into like a little seated position. <laughs> um, I think the, I think my favorite version of that was in uh, when they started showing like how far the sound waves go out, mm. so that way you can see. It's like all right, well I need to kill that guy. I need to wait for him to get closer, but I can't let this guy hear me because mm. I can only do one. Um, oh yeah, bring back the double hidden blades. See, what I would... Yeah, double hidden blades, but the way I would do it, uh, have on one wrist is his, like, uh, is the, his attached blade, the one that he can do the... do Pop it out and grip it, grip it in his hand thing. The other one has the launcher. 
No, this all right. So this is my idea. Oh no, no, the other one has the hook blade. Hook blade needs to hook come blade. Back. Yes. Oh my god, the hook blade. The hook blade needs to come back. I loved the hook blade. I'm so sorry it didn't get it didn't get used again in like Black Flag and later games. It would have been perfect in Black Flag. Oh yeah. So for like like uh, sliding down on like vines or ropes so and shit. What I was thinking was all right. So on his wrist where the blade is. Uh, have it to where there's like a knob for him to turn, and have the knob be a German cross that he can grab, that he can hold, grab, turns it, and then the crossbow bar pops out, and then he basically uh, so depl- yeah, so he like twists it, and, and then, then it pops out, and then and then he can and then he can fire it. Okay, yeah, that that works. I don't remember off the top of my head what a German cross looks like. No, you don't have to describe it. Uh, I can look it up later. You guys can look it up later as well. Um, but yeah, but as you can tell, we have a lot of ideas for this for this Cold War um, uh, Assassin's Creed game. I'm trying to remember some of the other stuff that we had discussed in terms of like the oh um, well, I remember one thing that I kind of that I want to see like a tribute to of sorts, and that's the stairwell fight scene from Atomic Blonde. You haven't seen that. Before. I have seen it. Uh, that was when she like pulled her shirt collar over her face. No, right? I'm talking that huge, big, long fight scene. Oh, where well, they were trying to outdo Daredevil. Yeah, basically, <laughs> where, it's, where it was all filmed like one one take. I mean, the some of the other fight scenes, like uh, the one in the apartment where she, yeah, she's using like her scarf to like and like like a fire hose or something to like like pull people around pull people around and clothesline them and stuff but no something like the stairwell fight scene where it's just a big long protracted fight between so a German me, assassin and maybe a couple of Stasi officers so let me ask you something would you want it to be a quick time part of the game or do you want it to be like one that you actually control one that you actually control would be best but I, I wouldn't be averse to a quick time uh, fight sequence either um not necessarily was like you miss a you miss a quick time event you're dead. Uh, I would say I would go more for you miss a quick time event you lose a bunch of health and then you have to fight some more before you get another one of those triggers. No, it's like the closer you get to death, like you have an adrenaline meter that goes up, mm-hmm. but it's like that gets the more that gets filled up, the more adrenaline you have, and the faster you get. And, the, and of course, yeah, an, an adrenaline thing would be. Yeah, tie the adrenaline thing into his eagle sense, or whatever his equivalent of it is. Because of course he's going to have it. Because every Assassin's Creed protagonist has had something like the hidden, the eagle vision. So we would bring back the classic eagle vision. N- I don't, find find some way to make it different, but still recognizable as what it is. Maybe something kind of like what Arno had in Unity. Yeah, because uh, he didn't have full full eagle vision because he wasn't part of the same bloodline. As, as Desmond, as well, he he was part of Desmond's bloodline, but it, the 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 first civilization DNA wasn't as pronounced in Arno as it was in like Ezio. No, you know or who, the Kenways. No, and I think I brought this up to you. Uh, you know who Arno is an ancestor of? Michael Fassbender's character from. I Assassin's do Creed. remember do remember you saying that. All right, because right? so, you can see Arno in that in that one sequence where he sees all of the assassins. Yeah, where where Fastbender in the film uh, when he basically like, goes hits full synchronization, full synchronization. Yeah, 
and he's sitting there in all of like the because um, he's still attached to the their animus. version of their animus which is that cool arm like, I'm sorry but I thought it was cool it was um, <laughs> it's certainly way more dynamic and exciting than just him laying, down. Him, him laying in a chair you know plugged into the matrix um, <laughs> and he starts to see all of like the I'm gonna call them holograms yeah, that's what they were essentially yeah. um, of all of the assassins that he was descended from if you pay close enough attention um, yes. Arno wa- does pop up, and the reason, and the way you can identify which one is him is he's wearing his blue and white French outfit when he first becomes a full fledged assassin. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the outfit. I do, re- I do remember. Do remember now. It's one of those things I'm going to have to go back and watch that movie again at some point. But yes, I do remember Arno popping up because I remember reading about that Arno was was there, and so I was watching watching carefully, waiting to see it. <laughs> Yeah, I had um, I had to rewatch the film to find out uh, where he was in it and which one was him. And I was like, "Oh shit, that is him!" <laughs> so yes, Arnold Dorian is in the Assassin's Creed movie with Michael Fassbender. Um, um, but uh, do you want the character in uh, our in the uh, Cold War era assassin? Uh, do you want him to like study up on? Like to kind of like show him studying up on the uh, the history of the assassins, you know, like uh, Ezio, Altair, mm-hmm. uh, that, the that maybe, maybe that's one of the collectibles is like uh, books that were stolen from like the from the Creed uh, that that are like and now are like scattered about uh, Berlin where they were taken by Templar agents or whatever, and he's just trying to track them down. Not necessarily because then he'll learn the, learn these new skills, but because he wants to read about these guys. And he needs to just find these find these books, maybe, and that's that then unlocks more information about them in the in your animus database. Yeah, um, and um, excuse me. Uh, what would the, what about the real world stuff? That's trickier because I'm it, it's so I'm so not very clear on where they're going with all of the uh, present day framework stuff. They've been they've been doing a lot with Layla Hassan in uh, in Odyssey and Origin, where you know she's the one who's tracking down all this stuff, and the, you know they're emphasizing that she's uh, she was the one who basically helped develop the Animus, and she's uh, that's one reason why she has this portable version that she's hauling around to all these archaeological sites and whatnot. Um, not sure how exactly you would tie tie it all together. Unless maybe the sage pops up, or a new sage pops up uh, in the modern day, and that's one reason why they're trying to backtrack what the sage has been up to in uh, more recent history, and that's why they're focusing on this on this particular on this one with this one person, yeah, yeah. Um, or heck, maybe the maybe the person that you're controlling in the modern day stuff isn't Layla, and maybe they're somebody that works for Abstergo. <coughs> it could be that too. And cause... but but they're while they're ex, while they're investigating this stuff, they come to realize the sage is not on our side. <laughs> maybe they maybe the the whatever branch of Abstergo they're working for mistakenly thinks that they can work alongside the sage and then they suddenly realize wait no they have their own agenda we can't trust them um 
Okay, so I'm I was looking I'm trying to look up the uh, like a better view of the uh, the hidden blade from uh, the Assassin's Creed movie. Uh, the one assassin that's in that movie called named Maria, who's the female assassin that works alongside uh, the, the in the Spanish Inquisition time. Yeah, apparently her hidden blade is two hidden blades. I like that. Uh, you know, and, and I like that they they did try to sort of customize them a little bit, and I think that's something that they should strive for in future Assassin's Creed games. Make the hidden blades a bit more unique to each to each assassin. They sort of did that. Um, you know, Ezio of course had dual hidden blades, and then eventually got the hook blade. Um, Connor had the had the the one that also served served as his hunting knife. That I thought was actually kind of cool to see because you know because of him being Native American, it's mm-hmm. like what is he going to do with his hidden blade? Uh, or and uh, the wh- thing that was that was really the most customized though was his tomahawk. You know that had the that had the assassins the, the assassins, assassins logo uh, the, in it. Uh, logo serving as the serving as the hatchet blade. Um, but after that, I, they all felt pretty samey, except for Arno, because he had the, the launcher. Yeah, uh, I like how it seems like everybody has some something specific. That makes them. that makes them stand out a little bit more. Uh, that so they're not just the same assassin or same style of same style. Yeah, like just it, across like, the centuries. Like yeah. in uh, in Odyssey, because you don't get a hidden blade. Instead, what it is, it's the tip of Leonidas' spear, mm-hmm. which you find out later on is um, <clears throat> uh, it's first civilization. Yeah, it's first civilization tech. That's the reason why, like, and you kind of figure this out uh, as you're killing the members of the uh, the cult of Cosmos. You're getting the like the little triangles, whatever. The little, little shards of uh, shards of um, tech. Basically. Every time you collect a certain amount, you can go back to this like first civilization temple on this the, the, island in the where middle. there's a forge, and you basically plug it in, and it upgrades it. Yeah, uh, and as you're upgrading it, the look of it actually changes completely. Remi- reminds me in a way of the weapons that Talion uses in Shadow of Mordor. Remind me because I haven't because because he has he has his sword and he has the dagger which was his son's sword that got broken and and a bow but as you level them up their appearance changes really? the broken the broken sword blade becomes a more proper dagger so it actually gets an actual tip for it yeah and so it's not just a broken you know <laughs> broken like jagged shard and it, it it visibly changes it makes sense in Shadow of Mordor because you know he's bound to this uh, to the elf wraith and that elf was like the ultimate blacksmith Celebrimbor you know was the one who forged the fucking one ring for Sauron <laughs> I didn't get that far in the game but that's cool um, um yeah it's like it's one of those things that I know that Middle Earth fans when the, when the wraith's identity was finally revealed in the game they were like Holy shit! Because Celebrimbor is like an actual figure in Middle Earth lore. It's not just some random dude that they made up for the game. <laughs> I hope so. Um, Otherwise, Stephen Colbert would have been flipping his shit. I'm sure Stephen Colbert is probably flipping his shit anyway because you know he's a huge he's a huge Middle Earth geek. <laughs> this is another discussion for another. Yeah, podcast. that's yeah. Um, um, uh, mm. but we've talked a lot about Cold, about the Cold War game that we would like to see. But we what we also talked about on the 
Castlevania thing was do like a Netflix animated series for Assassin's Creed. Well, this well and the way you could do it is each season could focus on a different assassin. Well, like I said, I was while we were watching it because I looked up uh, the guy who was the executive producer, and I can't. I'm yeah. drawing a blank on his don't name worry, Don't worry about it. Uh, but anyways, uh, it's the same guy who was also the executive producer for the movie Dread. Look him up. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, you, I remember you mentioning that, and I was like, ooh, I got um, real excited. So one of his upcoming projects, I don't know when it's supposed to be released because I haven't heard a release date or plot, nothing. But apparently he is working on an Assassin's Creed animated series for Netflix. Uh, so excited! And I said, "What I said that what I wanted was now. Granted, yeah, in the third Ezio game, you do get little tidbits here and there of what happened after the events of the first Assassin's Creed game with Altair. Yeah, I want this to fill in the gaps. Fill in the gaps for Altair. Yes, because well, yeah, well, that's true because the various flashbacks that Ezio experienced with Altair filled in some of the gaps." Over over time yeah. with him, you know, it showed him uh, establishing his relationship with the former Templar uh, chick that he eventually married and had and had children with. Yeah, I think you um, I think you see her in Assassin's Creed too, because there was that little there was that little... yeah. It's briefly it's it's no, it was Desmond saw it because he had the bleeding effect dream. Yeah, um, and it's like he's he's experiencing things as Ezio climbing up you know up a tower and meeting with her and they lay down and get funky and then after afterwards Altair goes off but and Desmond's like why am I not following him and then he and then it's like the the focus goes back on her and he's like oh <laughs> cuz it's like the the bloodline has has which continued. if if i remember correctly uh during Altair's time it, with the creed they weren't, that supposed was, they weren't supposed to do that because the reason why... All right, so it's made to believe that the reason why they cut off a part of their ring finger was for the hidden blade. So that mm-hmm. way it could go between your middle and pinky finger. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what The reason why they were doing that was because you, it was to show devotion to the creed. Yep. To the brotherhood. So that's the reason why. And... Uh, well, Altair broke all sorts of rules. Like that's what got him in trouble in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So whatever. And then when he took over as he, mentor, as essentially. the mentor, he started making changes. Like in Assassin's Creed Two, uh, as you're unlocking the stuff for that map, mm-hmm. uh, which shows the whole world. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go and you take the time to actually read the stuff in there, it's all stuff written by Altair. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that he said that he wanted to do I was do he remember, wanted yeah. to get... For, one of the things that he was discussing was uh, getting rid of having to cut off your finger. Because uh, it makes it way too easy to identify assassins. If you just have to look for a guy who's missing a finger on one of his hands, and a very specific finger at that, it pretty pretty makes it pretty easy to spot, uh, spot them. Well, plus I'm pretty sure he was just like, it really hurts. Um... And, um, uh, but no, it's. I think it was more because it makes it allows them to operate more secretly. Yeah. Uh, rather than rather than just for the devotion thing. Uh, another thing it protects he, the brotherhood more if they're not so easily identified. Very true. Uh, another thing that he wanted to uh, change was to uh, kind of like I, 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 well, in doing that, he also said you know changing the design of the hidden blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
add a second hidden blade, he's like, what if you have two targets that you need to take out? You just shrink, and boom, done. What you do in Assassin's Creed 2 when you get the blueprints for the uh, second hidden blade. Mm-hmm. Uh, All the blueprints that you that, that you take to Da Vinci, and he builds the stuff. Da Vinci was literally your version of Q. In that. Yeah, basically. Um, and... Um, uh, I think another one was to uh, to add the poison tip, like the hollow poison tip to yeah. the hidden blade, so that way you could literally, like, like if you didn't want to like completely reveal yourself, you literally just go on over, poke someone with it, and walk away. I loved using that thing. <laughs> so did I, especially when you had that as the project I'll launch. You're like, I want to take that guy out, but I want to see his fifty friends. You know, pew. And then I sit back and watch the show. Um, yeah, and the, and then the hidden gun. The hidden gun was fun, and I swear to God, I'm pretty <laughs> sure all those Renaissance guards didn't know what the hell was it. It's like, what was that booming noise? Well, the first time you use it, really, in the game was to was on one of your targets, but he was, like, watching fireworks, and you had to time your shot. Oh, God. I, I remember that, because I'm sitting there like, wait for it, wait for it, boom, boom, boom. Missed it. <laughs> Do it again. And I had to sit but, there and wait. But there was also the moment in Revelations when, in the Altair flashback, when he's t- when he comes back to, um, the comes back to their fortress. I forget the name of it now. Um, and he, you know, confronts the confronts his former friend who's basically gone mad with power and is controlling the assassin because assassins. He- and the and the guy's like taunting him that he's like, "You'll never be able to reach me." You know, I have too many guards and. Then you just get the prompts, fire the hidden gun. <laughs> I saw that, I was like, oh, this is going to be I, fun. I sat, I, sat, I sat there and I was like, oh, what? Okay, let's see what happens. And it's exactly like, and mind you, Altair at this point is an old man. He's like in his 70s. <laughs> He's supposed to be like the, um, the, uh, the their, their uh, master from the first game. He's about that character's age. Yeah. And after you kill him, uh, the guy who... Uh, took over uh, Altair takes over and he assumes that position but he's well it's more like uh, it's more like Altair took back control because he had been the the mentor and then this guy basically staged a coup and forced him out and killed one of Altair's sons yeah um so yeah that yeah I want to see like uh an animation to that shows how he got the design for the gun because technically mm-hmm. guns didn't really exist and the first person who that we technically saw use the hidden gun was Ezio and but it was based off of blueprints that Altair had made how the hell did he learn how to make a gun <laughs> exactly so it's like did he look at a cannon and go I want that but I want to be able to mount it on my wrist <laughs> Did he talk to Did he talk to some to some early day engineer who was like, "I can do that for you"? Either well, didn't he say something about uh, the Apple of Eden showing him something from the future too? There was a lot of that. He he spent a lot of time studying the Apple. I think in his in his in his downtime or the time between all that stuff. So it could be something that was just lodged in his head, and he finally just managed to sketch it out and then worked on making it. So, well, he was technically buried with it mm. uh, in that little, the library that he was in. In uh, in that city, whose name I can't remember. Uh, it's yeah. been a while. Yeah. I do remember the name of his of his mentor, the one who, uh, you know, in, from Assassin's Creed 1, Al-Mualim. 
Which Wallen. I think I think I think translates to uh, the old man on the mountain. Something like that. Um, because <clears throat> I remember uh, one of the other mentors from like one of the later games. I want to say it was Ezio when he, uh, basically when he started getting older, he because he you know had his own section of the brotherhood he got a nickname that was some or something that was similar to that like a title uh but i don't fully remember what okay um wallen was actually his title which translates as the mentor <laughs> oh no no he, he was known as the old man on the mountain. that was his nick, that was a was. nickname because he was the he old lived, man on the mountain on the, the old man on the mountain um but yeah um wallen was his title. I looked it up here on the Assassin's Creed wiki. It does give his actual name, which was Rashid Ad-Din Sinan or Sinan. I don't know how, how it would specifically be pronounced in Arabic. Um, I don't remember if that was something that was revealed in like the Animus database in the games, or if Probably. somebody picked it up from somewhere else, but but Mualim was literally the mentor. Um, anyway. But... Uh... But yeah, like I said, I want to see the Assassin's Creed animation, animation to fill in those gaps. Fill in those gaps for Altair, you know, and maybe do some for Ezio as well. Because there were still there were still gaps there in in, like in Ezio the stuff. Ti- the, the time lapse stuff, mm-hmm. um, and then there was the stuff that happened between Brotherhood and Revelation. Yeah, there's a big gap there because Ezio was much older. By the time he made it to Constantinople, but he was still, you know, he, he was, was still, still capable of fighting. But he was not as spry as he used to be. It's one reason the hook blade was so was so <laughs> helpful for him. Yeah, I remember in that game when you had a parachute down. He legit says this used to be so much easier to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, what else? But you know, and filling, you know, another season could focus on Kenway. Yeah, because on Hatham's was... on Edward Kenway specifically because. While we saw all of what he got up to in his in his earlier days when he was a pirate, eventually he sort of went respectable. Well, we gotta get Matt Ryan back to voice him. Yeah, um, and you know, sort of show what happened between the end of Black Flag and uh, and you know the time of his death. Because by that point, he had finally become a full fledged assassin. Most of the most of the time in Black Flag, he's not an assassin. No, he, he's just a pirate who has an assassin's weapon. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he took the guy. He the assassin that he kills in the game mm. was actually going to go and meet the Templars. He was going to defect. Yeah. Uh, but Kenway kind of, you know, through you know he was the monkey and the wrench or mm-hmm. uh, in in the gears. And he just messed everything up, and then he had to act like he was this guy. Um, Even though I think all the Templars saw through it. They were just sort of like, yeah, this isn't the guy. But he managed to kill the guy, so maybe so maybe we should have, have this guy instead. But plus, it doesn't help the fact that Kenway was also drunk most of the damn time, especially that one part where he got really depressed, because everybody... Well, even- <laughs> I don't know that I would say that he was drunk all the time. He hit rock bottom in that one sequence, oh God. There, he, he, he where, really, where he started hallucinating and all that shit. He started hallucinating. You know, Spoilers, by the way. <laughs> he started seeing everybody that you know. You know he the had people lost. that had, that had died, and it's like because I think by that point a lot of the the pirates that he was friends with had also been captured or killed. You know, I did find out that uh, the the part with Blackbeard when mm. Blackbeard dies that was historically accurate. Mm-hmm. 
because um, I didn't I didn't know how he how Blackbeard actually died, so I had to look it up, and it turns out that's actually how he died in in the game. Um, <clears throat> and uh, then there was the uh, I can't remember who was who was the the female pirate that was acting like a boy. Uh, yeah, I know the one you're talking about. I forget uh, I forget also. I in all honesty, she's the one that I felt sorry for the most mm. because I, I you like sympathized with her very heavily. They wanted you to clearly, clearly. Um, you they made you sympathize with most of the decent pirates. Calico Jack, I think, was the one. One of the was the one pirate you looked at. It was just sort of like this guy's a bit screwy. I'm not going to be sorry if he dies. <laughs> yeah, you or you, was it Calico Jack? Calico something or other, I think. The one that was very clearly the one that uh, served as the inspiration for Jack Sparrow. Yeah, that's him. Uh, I can't you just him. looked at him and you were like, you know, are they deliberately making him seem like Jack Sparrow? And then I, then I thought, I was like, no, wait, this, they're probably basing this, basing this guy off actual reports about him. So this guy served as the inspiration for Jack Sparrow. <laughs> it just comes back full circle kind of thing. Um, um, I think one of the cool things that I did like about uh, that game was the upgrade system. That they introduced. Oh yeah, I know. I, I know the upgrade system was introduced in Assassin's Creed Three, but I think it was better in Four. Yeah. In Black well, that's always been the case with the Assassin's Creed games. They've improved. They've tried to make improvements to everything uh, with um, each with each game. Unfortunately, I, I will. It's not always successful, but they they try to. Yeah, I, I granted with uh, Origin the way that they completely revamped the gameplay. Mm. I like that. I did. I, I liked it too. It took me a little. It took a little getting used to, but you know, because I wasn't bothering to try to parry a whole lot of the time, or it's like I kept missing missing my timing. And eventually, I figured it out. I was like, oh, okay. Now you guys are gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> now I figured out. I figured oh. out the uh, figured out the trick. But uh, I like how the one thing I liked in that game was when you first used the hidden blade after you got it. Oh, and yeah, and, and he accidentally cuts his finger he, off. He, he, he has no other choice. Bayek has no other choice. He's got to cut. He's got to kill this guy, and where the blade is, it's like right against the guy's throat, but it's not activated yet. Unfortunately, where he's the way it's also positioned is his ring finger is in the way. I think it might have been because of his grip. Like, he was gripping the guy by the, by the throat and then stabbed through, and it... Cut, cut his finger it off. It cut his finger off. Yeah, and then... Uh, and afterwards, he's staring at his finger, his hand like, oh, shit! <laughs> <laughs> then he gets his wife to fix it up for him. Or uh, she, she wraps a bandage around it. and they, Yeah, they, then, they, then they have fun after yep. that. Um, and uh, I remember... Uh, there were so many little things in those games. What about what about in at the end uh, when he takes the little... The little bird little, skull. Little bird skull drops it in the sand, uh, and then when they or like it fell, it fell or or whatever, and then I think he his picks wife. I think his wife dropped hers because mm. she was just like she was like she. It's like we've we have avenged him. We need to move on past this. Yeah, and um, and they both had open like started their own like. They, it's like they they, they they still love each other, but they are moving in different directions. Yeah. Uh, where she parallel think, but separate. I think she formed her own version of the creed also, and he started. It's his. like they were both doing the creed, but they very clearly had spent too much time apart to to stay together. Um, so he goes and picks the bird skull up, and it and left the, the, the little the, imprint the, the, the in the, the little, sand. Yeah, the little mark, the little imprint that it leaves on the sand is the assassin's logo. It's the it's the A. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. I see. <laughs> I see how they got the symbol now. That's, I see. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of contrived, but I like how you did that. <laughs> um, there's one part where and I don't remember where in the game, but you, if you listen to this one part, these two people's conversation, they're what they're clearly discussing is the Templars, uh, like the Templars, like what the Templars wanted, uh, and then there was also like because I know the assassins have their own creed, yeah. have the creed which is. Uh, we work in the darkness to serve the light. Yeah, the Templars have their own one, and at one point, may the Father of Understanding guide you. Yes, where you you hear somebody like, make some comments about like the Father of Understanding. Or yes, something. and I was just like, okay, I like this. Well, it's like because the, the Order of the Ancients and the you know pre and before them the Cult of Cosmos, you know, which predated the Order of the Ancients. Um, well, technically, I think. They, I think they were completely separate because the cult of cosmos was one thing and then you had the order of the ancients which was essentially the uh, the Persians that came looking for Darius they uh, there's a letter that you find where the uh, the cult of cosmos and that of the other cult the the order of the ancients yeah. they're basically they one wants to try to work with the other yeah uh, and because Cassandra makes a comment to like, oh, if these two start working together, we're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, and actually, it, there was there was a there was a whole point of that. Um, there was a conversation that you could have with cultists. It's like end game stuff, like after you've completed the main story of yeah. Origins, you could come to this one like marketplace in one of the in one of the city in one of the cities. And you could have you would have this conversation with just people walking walking around and basically point you know telling trying to tell Bayek you know that your your brotherhood or whatever you know the your people you know aren't going to su- succeed. We don't need a creed <laughs> uh, to 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 rally around kind of thing because that's just how the Templars function. They. Which which Assassin's game was this? This was in Origins. Oh really? Uh-huh. I never did. I didn't do that part. It. I mean, it's not like a story mission or anything. It's, it takes place after you beat the game. Yeah. Okay. It's. I forget where it is, but uh, you could basically have a you know interact with this with this crowd and people in the crowd that are just milling around, walking around Bayek would be basically be taunting him, just sort of like, you know, we need no creed. <laughs> you know, we you know the the order is eternal as was as it was put in huh. the. Uh, did you play the Hidden Ones DLC? I don't remember if I did or not. Because there were the, because it was the DLC that didn't deal with the dead with the with the like zombie, uh, the mummified pharaohs. It's not the Curse of the Pharaohs. It yeah, was, I didn't it, do it that was, one yet. The hit the Hidden Ones. You go to a different to a different map area, and it's dealing some more with some of the Romans that are occupying Egypt, uh, and the the like conversation the like. Uh, conversations you have with them after you've killed them, stuff all basically creepy as hell. But they all basically say the same thing as they stare down Bayek. They're just like the order is eternal, the implying it's like you may have killed killed all of us, but we're still out there and we're always going to be out there. Well, it's kind of like in um, uh, in the well, it's called the I think it's called the Colonial Americas. Uh, trilogy, which consists of Black Flag, Liberation, and Three. Liberation does count. Okay. Um, and um, 
I would basically, you know, I keep forgetting about Liberation. If I was going to call like the Colonial Americas trilogy, I would go with Black Flag, Rogue, and uh, Three. I guess you could throw Rogue in there, but if we're just talking about like where you just play as an assassin, not an assassin. Term, fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, no, no, uh, Rogue is actually the final, the the final chapter in the Kenway trilogy. Okay, that's fair. Um, because where where Rogue ends, Unity begins, mm-hmm. and it and it moves into the, into that segment. Of yes, so, I was waiting for there to be a third game of with Unity and Syndicate. And after Unity and Syndicate, so you'd have that trilogy before they moved on to the to the past to before they went back in time again, because uh, they steadily sort of moving forward. Yeah, they backstepped a bit with Black Flag, but you know if you're going to tell a story about pirates, I'm 100 percent fine with that. But at any rate, um, um, but anyways, um, that 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 section of like. The, the assassins is called like the, the colonial assassins. Mm. Same thing goes with the Templar. So colonial brotherhood, I think, yeah. is what they call. So it. and the colonial so, uh, chapter of, of the order. So a, so depending entirely on where they're located it, is what they're called. Mm. So yeah, each section, each area that they're the in, Italian uh, brotherhood. The, there's the Italian brotherhood. Yeah, there's you know the uh, would it be the British. Brotherhood from Syndicate is that probably because I know that at that point in time the Brotherhood was pretty much broken. Well, they because they gotten their they gotten their asses kicked during the French the French and Indi- the Seven Years War slash French and Indian War for us for us colonials um, uh, because Shea Cormac and the Templars hunted down all the all the notable assassins and Connor worked built them back up, but you know. Oh yeah, that's some, that's another thing that I want to see from this uh, series. For, for, yeah, what if they were gonna to Connor. What happens to Connor? Yeah, because he just sort of went away, and we never really—I don't know that we ever really got any closure. I, the, only, for the only other game that he was in was Liberation. Yeah. Um, what what other adventures did he get up to in in after the after the after the American Revolution? I know. I'm did not... he try to go find find the find his people and protect them, or did he travel across? Uh, across America, trying to protect other tribes from uh, from the expansion of the America, the American territories. Because Lord knows, we Americans were not very kind to the natives. <laughs> we weren't. Trail of Tears, anyone? I mean, I can't really say anything because I looked at my family history. We were not in this country at that time. Yeah. Um, I can't speak for all of my. I can't speak for my dad's side of the family. I they might have been. Um, I'd have to I'd have to look it up, but I know on my mom's side they weren't yet. They were still in, one half was still in Austria, the other half was still in Sweden. <laughs> uh, for me, it was more like my great granddad was still in Germany, and uh, yeah, in my, in my case, it was my great grandparents were uh, my mom's side, Austria and Sweden. I can't. I don't remember off uh, from my dad's side. I know that they were English of English descent. And on at least on his mom's side, were descended from the Kimballs, but the, the Kimballs bred like freaking rabbits. Catholic. <laughs> I don't know about that, but just about anybody that who whose name is Kimball, regardless of how it's spelt, can probably trace their ancestry back to this one family. <laughs> um, 
but, but anyway. But yeah, like I said, I, like. But yeah, you know, show 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 us what happened with Connor, or come up with other assassins that are maybe not necessarily involved in huge big conflicts. But there's so much history out there. We don't need to just traipse on all the same time well, periods like, well, and the same characters. Well, like I said, like you don't really need to like fully concentrate on these characters. Like what I said, one season is. Altair. Uh, one season is Ezio. One season is Connor. Once another one, season is, is Edward. Another season is Jacob and Evie after the Jack the Ripper moment. Because if you remember, yeah, because um, the DLC for Syndicate was you had to hunt Jack the Ripper. I I was one hundred percent down for that DLC. As soon as I heard there was a Jack the Ripper DLC, I was like, "You have my attention." Same here. It was great. Same here because if you look at when Jack was doing his thing, he never got caught. Mm-hmm. He just disappeared. And no, I mean, yeah, and without spoilers, the Jack the Ripper DLC does give an explanation for who Jack was. No, it's not who you expect, and why he was quote unquote never caught, and why his identity has never been revealed. You know, because there's there's reasons that make sense in story. For, for it all, but we're not going to spoil it. Yeah. You know, go play Assassin's Creed Syndicate. It's a good. It's a good game. It's a really good game, especially since you get to switch back and forth between twins, mm, Jacob and Evie. And I like that Jacob is just sort of like that guy's a Templar. I'm going to go kill him. Doesn't give a shit what the consequences are. And Evie finds out what he's done and figures finds out what the consequences were. And she's like, "Motherfucker!" and has to go cl- and basically then has to go clean up his mess. Uh, <laughs> Every single chapter opens with her. Having to go back to some place where that he infiltrated and killed somebody and put things right so that like the the, the economy doesn't collapse or something. Um, I did like how I, much like with a lot of the games you did work with historical figures. Mm. Like I think Alexander Graham Bell. Uh, was, I think one of them was was one of them Charles Darwin. I think they mentioned him, but no, the one that you work with the most is Alexander Alexander Graham Bell. He's the one who basically fixed the little grappling hook thing that. Uh, that the uh, twins he's use. your cue <laughs> he, he's, he takes the place of uh, Leonardo da Vinci yeah um, oh yeah so in our game we need to have a cue <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean you're dealing with spy stuff uh, have somebody from Q branch or whatever the equivalent in MI6 maybe, maybe, is maybe, maybe what it could be is like a former MI, member of MI6 yeah. is there uh, he was like a weapons specialist and weapons uh, slash equipment spe- yeah. quartermaster and kind of thing. He uh, secretly worked alongside the, the Brotherhood. Yeah, uh, but he left MI6 because he honestly couldn't stand by and watch what was happening in Germany. Yeah, uh, so he has like a different agenda than hunt down the uh, or it's or it's more, or maybe it was more like he wanted to stay, but because he was still employed by them. They reassigned him, and he had no choice, <laughs> kind of thing. Because um, if he was with MI6, they're like, uh, "We are reassigning you back to London or whatever." Uh, but have it to where he still communicates with mm-hmm. your. He character. passes in from he passes intelligence along and whatever. Uh, hidden messages and stuff. Well, or it's just like after the war, he wanted to stay and help, but got called back, and now it's like maybe he's moved into retirement or something and he's come back to try to help but he helps make stuff for the Creed the mm-hmm. assassins that are maybe he it. even has some tie to wants to track he's trying to help track down the sage for reasons of his own but have him very Q like mm-hmm. you know like I'm talking about the original one yeah not like not like, not like 
nerdy specky nomates uh, from uh, Daniel Craig's Bond. <laughs> that guy works though. That's he, he, he does work, um, but not like him. Not quite like John Cleese. John Cleese was good. Desmond but Llewellyn. Desmond Llewellyn. Yes, uh, absolutely. Please uh, pay attention, Bond. <laughs> Oh yeah! Do try to return it all in one piece. Yes, yes, that has to be a line every single time. You get something new, and you're just like, okay, this is cool. And then, uh, like, maybe he accidentally blows something up. It's like, do try to return the equipment all in one piece. Uh, and then, like, he comes back, and it's just like damaged, but not completely broken. Uh, and have him just sort of make some comments, just sort of like. Schmidt or whatever whatever our German assassin's name is do, when I tell you not to damage the equipment does anything does any part of your brain actually fire at that time <laughs> you know just you know typical dry British you know I'm gonna snark like hell because I'm British <laughs> exactly the, the, the typical snarky British talk and you know just have have, the, have our assassin fire back you know I am half British <laughs> Yes, but only half. Now, do shut up. <laughs> yes, and I'm sorry about your other half. <laughs> I had yes, a, I, and your other half is and your other half is the is the side that happened to lose the wall. <laughs> or so, or something. You got to have them snarking back and forth at one another. <laughs> it's like they get they they work well together, but it's, it's just like the British side of, of our assassin it's comes like, out every time he meets he meets with this guy. It, it, it's it's kind of like how the uh, what was it the uh, that scene in uh, Justice League Dark Apocalypse War where you have Captain Boomerang and Constantine <laughs> meet uh, yeah. and all they're doing is <laughs> yeah, they're, 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 it's like British versus Australia snarking at one another. It's like Brit Aussie wanker <laughs> <laughs> and they both just go wanker at the same time. <laughs> Um, We've been going for almost an hour and a half at this point. We should probably wrap this up. <laughs> part two. We yeah, part if, two. yeah, we could we could talk about this for longer, but we would need to have more to talk about besides just our ideas for like Cold War. Uh, uh, next time it can be like our likes and dislikes of the franchise, mm-hmm. um, and uh, or we we'll are... probably bring it up a little bit when we do when we do another ramble cast that we're going to do on like shared universe stuff because. You know, I've talked about how Ubisoft's games uh, all tend to have ties to one another. They've had uh, they had Assassin's Creed pop up in Watch Dogs. They had um, they had an Abstergo logo in one of the Far Cry games. Um, in Far Cry New Dawn, you can find a crashed airplane that belonged to uh, Fifth Echelon from Splinter Cell. Really, that, and you can find like uh, you can find stuff that mentions the division, and in uh, Ghost Recon Wildlands, not the not the new not the newer one that 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 flubbed that that failed, but the one that was set in Bolivia or wherever. Uh, there's a D, there's DLC where you meet some of the siege operators, like the Rainbow Six Siege characters. Okay. So it's like they've put on they put in all these ties with their games together. It's mostly just sort of like, hey, we own these properties, we're gonna we're gonna throw it in there. But it's cool to sort of imagine that they all sort of I mean, had ties to one another. I mean it's like in uh Last of Us, uh if you look close enough in the game you can find references to Uncharted. hmm But you know th- sometimes that's just oh it's you know we're the same ma- makers of these games. They're just 
throwing these things these things in except the Assassin's Creed reference in Watch Dogs you have to kill a character from Assassin's Creed. Yeah, you're killing a, you're killing the head of Abstergo Entertainment from which Black one was Flag. It? From Black Flag, because yeah. there's a point in Black Flag in the modern day section. You meet this character. You've been you've interacted with him a few times in the in the modern day sections. He's like your alt, your overall boss, and then he makes some mention that he has a he has a business trip. He has to go he has to go to Chicago, and then he just. Disappears. He just disappears. And never shows up again. Like even the, even the Abstergo people are like, we don't know what happened to him. He just went missing. And Watch Dogs. And, and, and Watch Dogs, you kill him. It's granted. This is a side. This is like a side mission thing. It's not one hundred percent required for you to complete the story. But but it's, it's, so a, cool. it's a you know it's it's le- it's much less of a DLC tie in thing like the siege character showing up in Wildlands. Uh, or just sort of like a throwaway reference, like in uh, the Far Cry games. You go into a bunker in, in Far Cry Three, and there's an Abstergo logo on the on the wall, kind of kind of thing. Um, and that's all cool stuff. It's not necessarily all tied in, except for the Watchdogs thing. That one's one hundred percent. Yes, that's there, one hundred percent. But at any rate, we're still rambling on. We should we, again. We need to wrap this up. Um, Stay tuned for that Ramblecast when we talk uh, shared universe ideas, you know, with Ubisoft, uh, MCU, DC, Arrowverse, a whole bunch of any other stuff. I would still, I would any other it, stuff I, we want we want to throw in there. I would keep Arrowverse strictly with the DC part. Yeah, but you know, it, some people would con- would consider it its own thing. Yes, I know it's tied into the DC stuff because of Crisis, but anyway, that's a future podcast. Uh, and we might we might eventually come back to Assassin's Creed. Yeah, because as you can tell, he and I get talking about this stuff, and we just will keep going forever. But again, this has been an hour and a half of us rambling, so it's I think that's a good that's a good cutoff point. So unless you have any final thoughts to throw in there, um, I can't wait for. Uh, Ragnarok to come out. Valhalla. It's Valhalla. called Valhalla. Yes, Sorry. we all we all thought it was going to be called Ragnarok, but no, Valhalla. no, that, that, that was the that was the name that they were originally going for before they went for Valhalla. And I like Valhalla instead because Ragnarok has other connotations to it that. Eh. Uh, at any rate, yeah, definitely looking forward to Valhalla this year uh, because Vikings are awesome, and I'm really hoping that they do a DLC stuff where we meet the where we meet the Norse gods, and maybe go fight some go fight some Jotuns. <laughs> no wait, what was the thing that you said you were hoping for? Like a little certain crossover. Oh, God of War, duh! <laughs> they need to have some reference to God of War, like he just finds some berserker somewhere who. Uh, who's maybe who maybe originally comes from Greece or something? <laughs> Some Greek guy living in the woods with his son. <laughs> but <clears throat> yeah, uh, yeah, I can't wait for that. Uh, do you remember in the trailer for it uh, during like the big battle? Mm-hmm. Do you remember seeing the two uh, crows? Crows, the ravens, rather ravens. That was those were Odin's. Yeah, and well, not not just them. You saw like a hooded figure that they were that they were standing on a tree near, and that's what that's what led the the protagonist to go. Odin is with us, <laughs> and rallied the troops again. Yeah, but I think we all know it's an assassin. Probably, but regardless, um, that about wraps it up. If you have any comments, if you have anything you'd like to see in, a, in an Assassin's Creed game or in the animated series, go ahead and leave it. Leave a comment. Uh, but until our next ramble, until our next binge. Uh, 
I'm Jay, and for Chris, we'll see you next time.